sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a tough play. Play it. The Cubs win the World Series. You are locked on Cubs. Your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. But we didn't come here to drink beer. We came here to win this ball game. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I said to the Uber boy, I said, take me out with the crowd. What's going on, Cubs fans? You are listening to Lockdown Cubs, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Sean Sears, and on today's episode, we have Michael Ernst from Cubs Den. He's a lead writer for Cubs Den and focuses heavily on the prospect side of things for the Cubs. So uh, with the Cubs apparently kind of doing somewhat of a soft rebuild, we talk about a little bit with Michael. Um we wanted to get his thoughts on some of these prospects, mainly the four guys the Cubs picked up from the Padres with the Udarvish deal, as well as some of these international prospects they signed. We get Michael's thoughts on the Cubs kind of uh, scoffing at, or I guess kind of balking, whatever you want to call it, not paying John Lester money, uh, reportedly $4 million deal he's getting with the Nationals that's deferred. We get Michael's opinion on that too, just because it, it it is seemingly strange that the Cubs are kind of crying poor in this situation. Uh, we understand why, obviously, with COVID and whatnot, but I think we all know at this point, too, the Ricketts are billionaires and can afford to pay John Lester $4 million. But Michael has an interesting take on this. It's a little bit different than myself and Ryan, who've been very much like, screw the Ricketts. Um, Michael's not necessarily championing them, but he had an interesting take on it, and I thought you guys will appreciate it. So um, make sure you follow Michael on Twitter at MJ underscore Ernst. You can see all his work at Cubs Den. You can follow Cubs Den on Twitter at Cubs Den. Of course, John Arguella's former site, one of our... Good friends, if we unfortunately passed away, if you guys don't know who John Arguello is, you probably know plenty about Cubs Den. Take a look into John's uh, information on the side here. But it was great talking with Michael. So uh, just nice to get an idea of what he thinks on some of these younger guys, just because the prospect reports are pretty light. So Michael's done, he's probably watched as much video as anyone else could on these guys and gives us his thoughts on it. So it was great. But today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Make sure you head to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on to save yourself 20% off your next order. I just got some Built Bars actually in the mail again yesterday, which was awesome. Some new flavors in there. Jerry Barcia, um, of course, they've got my mint brownie and a bunch of the chocolate ones. I appreciate that built bar, but make sure you check that out. Head to builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on to see if you sell 20% off off that order. But with that, here is our interview with Michael Ernst from Cubs Den. One reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money. And you can use that for other important things like mortgage, food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, nearly a hundred percent more for the exact same part at a chain store or a new car dealership? For an example, a fuel pump. For 2005 to 2010, Honda, Honda Odyssey can cost $353 in an advanced big chain store. On Rock Auto, that's $216.79. Uh, awesome. Why would you spend more money for that? Crazy, right? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto body parts and for hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably below. And the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com 
Hey guys, Sean Sears here from Lockdown Cubs to talk to you guys about Built Bar. Built Bar is one of the best tasting protein bars I've ever had. I know I talk to you guys about this all the time, but Built Bar is not only one of the best tasting protein bars with flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake. It's a new one I've been trying. Uh, those are all new flavors, but they've got their original flavors too, like peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie. I love mint brownie. That's been my breakfast of choice the last couple of years, or a couple of years, a couple of months now. But the bars are 100% covered in chocolate, super easy to chew soft but the best thing about them is they're healthy they're great for the health conscious guy uh, losing weight whether that's losing maintaining weight it's a nice treat to indulge yourself with they're low calorie low sugar high fiber high protein it's great for the keto diet if you're trying to lose weight during uh quarantine here right now but take for instance the uh cherry baraka 17 grams of protein 130 calories four grams of sugar four grams of net carbs that is incredibly healthy for you is good for you obviously but also tastes really good it's a nice snack to have throughout the day it's better than me chewing on like i don't know a donut i'm a big fan of goldfish and chips and crackers it's nice to be able to just eat one of these protein bars i'm relatively full i don't snack throughout the day and i'm ready to eat dinner later on in the day it's nice i don't spoil my meal and my girlfriend doesn't get mad at me when i don't want to eat the dinner she just made but <laughs> built bar has the promo code locked on to get yourself 20 percent off your next order so you head to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on you save yourself 20 percent off your next order of built bars they're delicious they're nutritious they're easy to bring anywhere on the go. Great snack for work from home. Head to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKDOWN. Save yourself 20% off and give these guys a shout out. They've been doing awesome work for the Lockdown Network and are making some of the best protein bars you'll ever have. All right, Cubs fans, we are talking some Chicago Cub baseball with Michael Ernst. He's the lead writer for Cubs Den. He's focused heavily on the prospect side of uh, the Chicago Cubs, and that uh, seems like that might be something that might pick up a little more uh, attention these next coming, uh, maybe this season or the upcoming seasons. But Michael, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you, Sean? I can't complain. Um We've had some rough news here with the Cubs, it sounds like these last couple of weeks, but um, I've been wanting to get you on the podcast just to talk a little bit about the the Darvish trade, obviously the, the move of the Padres, the Cubs picked up for um, interesting prospects, at least. I know there's not a lot out there, but I guess what was your initial thought process when that trade went down? My initial reaction was poor. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is not an exciting return in that there isn't really name recognition with it. None of the prospects have really ever played professionally yet. So, you know, for the, uh, for most fans, they probably saw that and said, Oh, the Cubs basically dumped him for nothing. While he, they didn't dump him for nothing, they did get talent back, but what they got was risky talent. And right. so my initial reaction was you can't trade your best player for essentially four lottery tickets. You know, you, you got to get a little more solid return. And you do get Davies with it. And I, I think he's being unfairly written off in a lot of um, – examinations of this trade i mean he yeah he's only got a year left but he is a solid pitcher he he's going to be able to eat some innings but he's still a downgrade and then you look at the fact that only one of the four prospects they received has played professionally and i think it amounts to like 40 career games or something like that yeah something like that and they were in 
the complex leagues in the in the Dominican and then in um, at, you know at the spring training. So, yeah, the other three are teenagers, and in some cases, you know, we're talking eighteen-year-old teenagers. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> I think at the time I likened it to the Cubs essentially traded you Darvish for four competitive balance draft picks. I think in some regard that's true, but I, in some ways you could also look at it as they essentially traded you Darvish for the the cream of a of, of a year's worth of um, an international free agent. Right. Crop. I mean, two of the two of the players they got were very high profile, large signing bonus guys for San Diego. Um, uh, back in 2019 so with 2020 season being canceled they've never actually played professionally but these were guys that were very highly rated highly sought after um, in the international free agent market so you look at that and you you, you have hope for that I mean you know as one of these guys eventually going to turn into a Braylon Marquez or something like that yeah it very possible. Um, the guy they, that most people have pegged so far as the cream of the crop that they received is uh, Reggie Preciado, mm -hmm. who's a shortstop, uh, pretty athletic, um, but he's also big enough and his pro power profile projects well enough where even if he outgrows shortstop and has to move to third base or first base even, he might um, you know, still profile there just fine. So you know, he's really the guy that most people have keyed in on. Um, but the other um, IFA guy that they got from the Padres was Ismail Mina, who was actually the higher the the, the higher signing bonus back in 2019 of the two of them. Um, but he's considered a little more raw. He's an outfielder um, who's still kind of growing into his body and he's a little gangly right now from the reports that I've seen from instructs uh, in the fall where, you know, he's still, still growing and uh, eventually probably ends up in a corner. But as of right now, he still has the speed for center field, but uh, you know, we'll kind of see. So both of those guys are, you know, they're 18 years old and, you know, you're projecting four or five years down the right. road. It, it, it's just difficult. So that, that's the big thing with, the, with, you know, when you're, when you're trading your best player, it's like, Oh, are we, you know, somebody four or five years away? I, yeah. They're talented, but there's so much time in between where even if you do everything right with their development, you still have four or five years where they could get hurt. Mm -hmm. And that's a little less prevalent with pitcher with position players than pitchers, but there's still risk with that. And so that's that to me is the biggest thing with the trade is it's just it's so risky that you might get nothing out of it, and that's right. that's pretty pretty difficult to swallow when you know you're talking about a player of Udell Darvish's caliber. Right, and I, I think we made. I know I was talking to Ryan Davis about this a couple of days ago. He shot me a text after the Pirates had traded Joe Musgraves uh, or Musgrove, and you look at the return, and it's like, ah, this this looks a little better than what the Cubs got. I was pretty frustrated with that. I don't know about you, but I mean, I honestly think that everybody in the league knows that the Cubs had to cut payroll 
and cut payroll in a big way. Mm-hmm. And so they're a little bit held hostage to the fact, well, and not just the Cubs. I mean, so many teams are right. having to cut payroll. So, you know, there's really only three or four buyers yeah. in the entire <laughs> league right now. Everybody else is either holding firm or cutting payroll. And so the Cubs were basically, I think, in a position where they had to move somebody and by moving Darvish and, you know, I think his salary was, I can't remember if he had, if his salary was higher than Hayward this year or whatever, but uh, essentially your highest paid player, you know, they could, by cutting, by getting rid of his salary, you're more or less getting them down to the point, I guess, where they feel like they probably have a little bit of breathing room and they just got what they could whatever they could and maybe now they don't feel like they have the pressure to also have to trade bryant and all these guys unless you know maybe a better offer comes along for them right right that's that's the only thing i can hope for is that that right played into it (laughs) that's about like the most positive you could spin it because it it really is tough to swallow that trade but you like uh I, like you said, if, if if teams have got the Cubs right where they want them and they've really got to trade salary, I mean, like just the fact that Carantini was throwing them that deal for almost nothing. Right. It, it just makes right. it, it's got to be, it has to be money driven. So I, um, we'll, we'll touch on the money stuff here in a sec too. I wanted to talk about that with John Lester. Obviously we, we got some news on mm-hmm. that, but I wanted to get your thoughts on the Cubs international prospect signing group. I know Christian Hernandez, big piece there. We've known probably since like July, he was probably going to sign with the Cubs. Obviously that deadline got pushed back, but he's officially a Cub. I think he was Baseball America's top five, top three prospect, something along the lines of that. What have you uh, thought about him and anyone else? I know the they're still signing guys. I know Kimura's news is coming out, but they've, they've got their core at least of their interla- or their prospect group this year at least. Yeah, so Christian Hernandez is definitely the the, the headliner. Uh, he signed for a reported $3 million, which is uh, more than half of their international signing budget. I think they're what they get allotted is a little over $5 million. So uh, you know, he's essentially taking about 60% of it. And he's a very athletic shortstop. Uh, he's listed right now, I think, at like 6'1", 165. I think he's already a little taller than that and yeah certainly starting to fill out um you know the the key with a lot of the, to keep in mind with a lot of these international signings is the teams are agreeing with these players when they're like 14 years old they just can't make it official until they're 16 and in this case these guys were this is the class that was should have been signed last summer mm-hmm. but it got delayed due to covid so they're actually signing now so i, I I can't remember if he's actually turned 17 or not yet, but you're still dealing with, you know, yeah, very high schoolers. <laughs> right. But he's got really good bat speed, uh, right-handed hitter. Uh, he has drawn some comparisons to A-Rod and or Manny Machado. Um, I can see a little bit of that. Um, I, I've, I was really trying to think back to what Alex Rodriguez looked like when he was that age. That was you know, pre-internet though. So wasn't exactly somebody that, you know, I really got to see at 17, 18 years old, but I can see a little bit with the Machado comparisons. Um, So, you know, that's the hope is, you know, he blossoms into that kind of player. And, you know, you look at those two guys, you know, obviously Alex Rodriguez, uh, you know, fantastic player and was able to stay at shortstop for a long time. Whereas Machado, you know, eventually moved to third base, but 
you know, so again, depends on how, how he grows, but that's, that's what you're aiming for with, with a guy of his caliber. And I don't see anything in the little bit of video that I've um, managed to um, find of him that would scare me into thinking that he, you know, that, 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 that's not a reasonable hope for him. Uh, the other guy that they signed to a large bonus was Moises Ballesteros, who is a power hitting left-handed catcher, uh, left-handed power hitting catcher, <laughs> which is, uh, uh, probably a pretty common profile. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you follow Cubs prospects the last couple of years, they've drafted Ethan Hearn. They've signed Ronnie <laughs> Quintero. Um, left-handed power hitting catchers is just kind of something that they've started to collect. And so this is another guy that kind of fits that mold. Um, and then, uh, you know, they signed a couple of lower profile guys, but, um, in just a little bit of uh, video I've seen, uh, Daniel Ferreira is a guy that that kind of stuck out a little bit. Uh, nice swing, uh, quiet for his age. He looks like he's he's not a, a real tall guy, but it looks like he's going to be pretty solidly built. And I think there's going to be a little bit of power with it. Um, the just watching him, the, the the who I was reminded of was Jose Guillen. Um, oh who, you know, a little, little, going back a little bit there, uh, I don't know how many fans still remember him, but that, that was the kind of the, the, the comparison I made for him. Uh, I know some people have also said that they liked what they've seen out of uh, Offerman Hernandez. I haven't really seen enough video to kind of get any kind of feel for him. Okay. And the same goes with Reino Coran, who they signed out of Curacao, who I've heard guy. about Coran, yeah. Yeah, so uh, apparently a pretty big, strong guy. I just, I, I, I couldn't see enough to really, sure. you know, get much of a field where I could offer anything other than, I guess, potential power hitter. Power right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that profile fits there for sure. Yeah. Um, we're talking with Michael Ernst from Cubs Den. You can follow him on Twitter at MJ underscore Ernst. Michael, um, obviously this season, it does seem like starting pitching, at least we know, John Lester's not coming back. Uh, Tyler Chatwood, Jose Quintana. Um, the Cubs have some options. Edbert Alzali showed potential, even though it took forever for the Cubs to finally get him a shot. He pitched well when he finally did get his opportunity. Braylon Marquez got his somewhat cup of coffee, if you want to call it that. He's probably a guy, I would assume, probably gets minor league seasoning. But who are some of the other names for Cubs fans to pay attention to? Because we're, we're going to see them audition definitely to spring training. Yeah. And, you know, the, the closer we get to spring training, the more likely it is that one of these guys figures into the early season plan. Cause if the Cubs get to spring training and they haven't signed, you know, at least one, if not two veterans, right. I think it's a very decent chance that we'll see um, one of these youngsters in April. Uh, so to me, the big, the big one would probably be Corey Abbott. Uh, he was a guy that was scheduled to be one of the main starters in Iowa last year, but with no minor league season that obviously got put on hold. My guess is they would prefer to keep him in AAA to start the year and let him build up a little bit since uh, he was at the South Bend uh, site last year, but apparently he battled a little bit of injury, so he didn't actually get to pitch much. So it's been a little while since, you know, he's really logged some innings. So I don't, I don't think they would want to go with him as the fifth starter from start, sure. start, start of the year to finish of the year. 
Um, but he's definitely a guy that's going to factor in. And at this point, I, I don't see any reason why he would not be I, I, at this point, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to make 10 starts before the end of the year. Yeah. Whether that's in April or whether that's in the second half of the year, maybe when they, after they trade Davies. Yeah. Seth's <laughs> um, probably coming too, but yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, obviously there's always injuries, injury openings as well, but yeah, he'll, he'll be the, um, I think the the one where you should be a little bit excited. I he, I think he profiles best as a fifth starter, but it wouldn't shock me if he you know maybe did a little better where he's you know maybe you consider him a number four, but still back of the rotation. But I I think he can be pretty solid. Uh, the other two guys that are on the forty man roster and figure to be in Iowa um, would be Keegan Thompson, uh, who. The, they added over the over the winter uh, to protect him from the Rule Five draft. He's kind of like Abbott in that he he mixes in uh, you know four pitches. Uh, just he's just a real bulldog. He attacks hitters. Um, none none of his pitches are really stand out. Um, Abbott's got a really good cutter, um, whereas Thompson, uh, you know, he's going to mix a curveball and a slider his curveball at times has been a plus pitch but he's missed some time because of injury and uh, it's been a little it's been a long time since he's actually shown much but he got pretty good reviews in the instructs again so yeah uh you know neither one of those guys light up the radar gun they're going to be low sure. 90s um and then tyson miller is going to be the other uh guy in the 40 man at in iowa who at times he I, I love his mentality um attacks works quickly isn't afraid um did he was a lot of four seam up in the zone when he kind of had his breakout in high a and double a got to triple a and that didn't work so well for him he got hammered with home runs uh, he was a fly ball pitcher and you get to the pcl and those start flying out of the park, <laughs> especially when your command wasn't perfect. So right. uh, last year he did come up for a game or two. I think he might've gotten into two games. Uh, he did make one spot start for the Cubs, um, mm -hmm. but he kind of brought a two seamer into the mix to kind of help. I think with that doesn't really have a put away pitch, which is why I still question whether or not he's a starter or if he's more of a middle reliever. Um, I think in his one start, he went three innings and didn't strike anybody out. Right. So, uh, you know, he's going to definitely a guy that's going to pitch to contact a little more, but um, it's an approach that worked for him in the minors. And I, you know, I think he can still be a guy, but I, I just not sure he's a full-time starter. I think maybe more of a swing guy um, beyond that. Yeah. I mean, Braylon Marquez is the jewel, obviously. Right. Um, I think he's going to start in double a though. And we'll kind of see from there. Uh, he, I've been telling people the last year or two with Marquez and with Brennan Davis, who's their top uh, position player prospect, in my opinion. Those two guys, I don't really worry about an ETA on them. They will tell you when they're ready. They can make a jump from double A to the majors. They don't need triple A time if they're starting, if they're doing what they need to do. They're that physically talented where those are the type of guys and we've seen that with the cubs in the past with you know guys like schwarber guys with yeah. like bryant they don't need triple a time once those guys are ready they can make the jump 
So um, I don't have a problem with starting those two guys off in double A. And if at some point they make it, uh, you just you just bring them up. Um, so, you know, uh, if you're looking for some sleepers beyond that, sure. um, as far as starters, uh, I'm still uh, pretty curious about um, Jack Patterson, who's a lefty, uh, kind of a sinker ball guy, uh, really throws like a bowling ball sinker. Oh, really? That's cool. Um, it just, uh, his, the results that he got in high A and double A last year, like nobody could really lift the ball against him very well. Okay. Um, but he was still missing some some bats a little bit. His curveball and his slider, uh, he got pretty good results with them a lot of times. But to me, they kind of profiled a little. They kind of morphed into the same pitch at times. That's slurf. so. I think maybe yeah. And um, so I'm hoping uh, during uh, his time in South Bend at the alternate site last year that they kind of reworked one or both of those pitches to kind of make them a little more distinct. But he's definitely another guy, um, kind of like Tyson Miller, where I think he probably is more of a swing man. But it wouldn't surprise me if he um, kind of uh, overachieves. And, you know, if he's a guy that can pitch to contact and get ground balls, you know, with a, the Cubs defense, that could be right. um, pretty useful. Um, beyond that, you still got Ryan Jensen, who, yeah. um, again, I think he probably starts in double A. And if, you know, he's another one of those guys that's talented enough where if, if, if it's clicking for him, he can make the jump at any time. I think he's probably still a year away though. Right. But you know, it, it could at least happen. Um, and uh, so as far as starters, that's, that's mostly it. I, I think that they're going to change Justin Steele into a full-time reliever. That's what it seems like. Yeah. That's um, which I think is good. He's just, he, he struggled with consistency and with injuries as a starter and he profiles well as a power left-handed reliever. So I think yeah. making that change is good. I guess the only other uh, real option would be uh, their rule five pick. Um, I'm totally drawing a blank on his first name. His last name's Fenter who they got from the Orioles, who was a starter in their system, but he hasn't pitched above a ball. And, you know, obviously with missing last season, I would assume he would have been in high A, double A, kind of in that mix. So kind of falls into the same age range as, um, you know, a guy like Jensen or a guy like Marquez. So it's possible. Um, I haven't really had a chance to review too much on him. So I don't, I really don't know much about him, but my guess is he's, going to be in line to be the swing man to start off the year right. um, assuming they that he shows well enough where they actually want to keep him but it wouldn't surprise me if he gets a spot start um, but, definitely yeah so I mean that's that's kind of the starters the relievers they've accumulated so many guys yeah um, and they're starting to accumulate guys that uh, with velocity which is not something that they've had uh, recently. So I mean, we already touched on Justin Steele, uh, Manny Rodriguez, who they added at the 40 man last year. Yeah. Uh, prior to last season, um, he's a guy, you know, going to be battling for a triple A job, but I think he probably opens as the double A closer. But again, you could certainly see him jump up. Burl Callaway, Caraway, who was their yeah. second round pick. Uh, lefty who just has phenomenal fastball curveball combo 
Um, I know they've been working with him on a slider and a changeup, and if he can lock in even one of those two pitches, uh, he not only uh, becomes you know a premier left-handed relief prospect. He, you know he's one of those guys that could potentially be a closer as well. So right. that's that's definitely somebody that uh, um, I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, Ethan Roberts is a guy that. Um, I think would surprise some people. He's small. Uh, he was a fourth round pick um, out of Tennessee Tech. And if anybody follows the College World Series, that team kind of made like a surprise run to uh, I don't know, his quarterfinals or something mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And he was a guy that kind of pulled like a, uh, if 98 Cubs fans remember, very Mulholland starting and relieving yeah. um, just, and, uh, so Roberts was doing that, um, but he's kind of undersized, kind of went under the radar in the draft, but the Cubs picked him up and he's a guy who just generates a lot of uh, spin rate and his pitches tunnel really well. And so while none of them on their own look that impressive, the combo of all of his stuff, just it's, it really just seems to eat up hitters. So he's a guy I think okay. that could take a jump at some point. Um, in the near future. And then, yeah, they've got a bunch of other guys that throw mid nineties and it's just a matter can they throw enough strikes? And Mm -hmm. if you can throw strikes consistently with the kind of stuff they have, you know, any one of them could break through, but there's like 10 different guys that, that have that. Picking one, yeah, who knows? (laughs) Yeah. The Cubs definitely liked to add their relievers. They did it a little bit last year too, but this year, obviously they were, they're really able to take the approach. I'm sure they wanted to last year. And it's, it's cool to see. I mean, Tommy Hudovy seems to have a great idea of what works in baseball right now. Cause I mean, yeah, I mean, it's an approach that I've argued for, for several years. I don't like giving multiple multi-year contracts to relievers. They're so difficult to predict year to year, but um, you also seem able to kind of get to the point where if you grab two or three of them, you're probably got to, you know, especially if you have a good pitching coach and how to be seems to be falling into that category. Mm-hmm. You know, if you grab two or three of them, you're probably going to find one good one that you can rely on. So the key is maintaining flexibility with your roster, being it, you know, making sure some of them have options where you can bring them up and down, move them on and off the roster. That was their mistake back in 2019 they had some guys with some upside but none of them could move off of the roster so they were all on the roster and at the start of the year they were all battling injuries or uh, dead arms and they were stuck with them and it buried them early in that season and it cost them a playoff spot last year they seemed to learn their lesson they had guys that they could move up and down um you know jason adams started in the minors ended up coming up in the second half um Winkler or no, was it Winkler? No, Tapera uh, wasn't ready to start the year yeah. and he was on the, but they had a, he had an option and he was able to go down, but you know, he came up, I think at the end of the first week or whatever, but they wouldn't have been able to do that without that ability to kind of bring him up and yeah. down. And so this year, you know, they brought in um, stock and holder. Um, and I want to say there was one other guy that I'm uh, drawing a blank, but again, guys with yeah. one option left. And mm-hmm. um, so you know, I think those guys, you'll probably see them start the year in the minors, but as mm-hmm. soon as somebody struggles or whatever, you know, if a Dwayne Underwood or whatever just can't put it together, you know, maybe you try to run him through waivers and you can bring one of these guys up. Sure. So we'll see. 
that'll be interesting to see. I'm 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 with you though. I, I like that approach to the bullpen, especially because like it feels like every year the Angels or the Athletics seem to put together. I mean, the Athletics bullpen's been insane. The Rays, good, but yeah, the Rays exactly. Everyone, it's like, why are we giving Jesse Chavez four million to come play for us? Like he was great, but like, what are we doing right. here? So right, you know, why are we why are we spending trade assets to get those guys? You right, know, I don't want to have to trade for Justin Wilson at the deadline every year. Let's let's try and get Justin Steele to do that. Right, exactly. So last question here for you, Michael. I know uh, we kind of teased this at the start of the show, but th- this uh, offseason has been different in the sense that the Cubs, I mean, I guess same in the sense they're not spending money, but they're also shedding a ridiculous amount of money now. Obviously, right. they traded Darvish, um, some of the other casualty moves, you know, guys like Kyle Schwarber, so what have you. Um, it's been kind of weird, but we've kind of, the Cubs have been maintaining this whole time that they're going to stay competitive. They think they can win this division. Uh, well, this Lester deal, now that we've gotten more news out, it sounds like Lester did try to appeal to ownership a few times, offered a deferment, ended up taking a deferred sal- salary with the Nationals. Um, but kind of sh- Cubs kind of showed their cards here a little bit. This is a very strange offseason, but I guess like, what do, you, what do you expect now? It feels like they have to trade someone to ma- add $4 million. I know that that is the impression that is being given right now. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly possible. I mean, that's definitely an explanation for what happened. However, I do believe the Cubs realized that their rotation got pretty old and everybody was down uh, on the downside. You know, everybody was hitting the downslope. You know, Darvish had been able to kind of resurrect himself, but sure. he was 34, you know, with an, somewhat of an injury history. I think that gets overblown a little bit. You know, he really only had two injuries in his 16-year professional right. baseball career. Um, so I think he's uh, been unfairly tagged as a uh, injury risk. But, yeah, regardless, he was still mid-30s. Lester, obviously, uh, an elder statesman as well. So I, I do think that they are trying to get younger. And I do think that they realize that they have some guys on the horizon here where they need to allow them to have opportunities. But to me, it's like, if you sign John Lester, you know, even if it's for 4 million, is there somebody who you could sign for 4 million where you might have a little bit more upside rather than just, you know, giving John Lester a swan song. I know that's heartless, but you kind of have to be when you're, when you're under the type of money constraints that the Cubs seem to be under, you can't just say, Oh, well, you know, uh, $4 million for a guy who was good every other start basically, but you know, definitely starting to show the wear and tear. If the Cubs sign an actual middle of the rotation starter that they can put in place with Hendricks Davies and you know who you know whoever that guy is, mm. letting Alzale and Alec Mills fill out the four and five slots, and then letting the y- young guys get an opportunity, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Um, but I'm. I, my only hope is that the Cubs are really just trying to wait out the market a little bit and they feel like they can actually spend four or $5 million on a starter. <laughs> They're just hoping that they get somebody for that money that has a little more upside than sure. Lester does. It, and, you know, even if it's on a one year, $5 million contract, and then at the trade deadline, they trade Davies and whoever that guy is. I mean, signing and flipping 
it's not helpful for this year. But again, if this truly is more of a rebuild year, that's um, a good way to do it. And it's actually, again, something I've been arguing for the last four or five years. As soon as they got to 2016 and won the World Series, they got so conservative with how that they were using their roster spots. When you have a good one through 20 on your roster, I mean, right. you can you can do all kinds of crazy things with the four, you know, the last five spots. Instead, they were just like, oh, we got to have a proven veteran at one through 25. And it's just right. like, no, you know, take a risk on, right. you know, you, you can have a Scott Feldman again when, you know, your first four starters are you, Darvish and Kyle Hendricks and, you know, all those kind of guys. But they stopped doing that. And they and I think that contributed to the slow decline. And I, I'm hoping that Hoyer is kind of getting back to that mentality that, you know, even when they're good, they can still trade guys. I mean, right. you know, you look at Theo. It When they won the World Series in Boston, they traded Nomar Garcia Parra that year. Right. That one that that trade really helped trigger a World Series victory for them. Everybody that they moved that they acquired at that deadline helped them out, and they did it by moving Nomar Garcia Parra. But since they got here, they kind of seemed to lose that mentality where they were afraid to move on from a guy. Like the Cubs fans would totally revolt if they traded Kyle Schwarber two years ago. Yeah, uh, it they had the opportunity. You know, some people would have been angry, but if you know, you redirect that money towards re-signing Javier Baez or you take it and you spend a little more on the bullpen or whatever. Most fans would have understood, mm -hmm. but they just, they got so conservative and I'm hoping that this is, you know, obviously money driven, but it's at least forcing them, I think, to kind of reshuffle, rethink and re-strategize. Sure. Yeah, and I, I, that does seem to be like what they were talking about, at least like the, it, it does seem like the Nats and other teams, especially the Nats now, have, have recognized that the Cubs aren't going to spend a ton of money, at least at the moment. So they're kind of grabbing some of these players. But like you said, yeah, maybe, maybe you look out and I mean, fans are hoping for Jake Arrieta now instead of John Lester. And that, <laughs> it's that's like, no. the same boat. I'm not sure that there's any upside there. But. No, we're going the wrong direction. But yeah, but I agree. Like the, the even Corey Kluber is probably a toss up. That type of guy, like this year, that this right. would have been the year to maybe give a guy sh that, that type of shot. Maybe you luck out and Shelby Miller's that guy. I don't know yeah, about I that. Yeah, I don't know about but... that. I'm, I'm thinking more, uh, what's the guy from the Twins? Oh, I'm totally drawing a blank. Oh, um, oh, what's his name? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Jake uh, Odorosi? Uh, yeah, it's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> you know who I'm talking yes, about. Yes, yeah, though. he was with the, with the Rays for a while, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then he, went, he was rumored to be a guy that the Cubs were interested in a couple of years ago, but he went to the Twins instead. Um, you know, he was kind of injured last year and never you know, had a good 2019, but struggled last year. Yeah. Free agent. You know, if they could sign somebody like that, even if it's for eight or nine million dollars, assuming they can afford that, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, he's at least somebody where, you know, there's upside there. I, I, I'm just not sure I see that with a guy like Lester or Arietta. Yeah. So I'm hoping they go more, you know, trying to find a guy that's coming off of an injury or something like that. 
Yeah, I think we've got enough World Series holdovers at this point, especially with John John or David Ross yeah. as the manager. I think we can. It was yeah. great, but let's move on. <laughs> I'm more interested, honestly, in what they do in the outfield. We still don't have a left yeah. fielder, right? <laughs> yeah, I I was holding out hope that Michael Brantley would end up on the Cubs, but uh, that's obviously he's with the Jays now. So but. yeah, I don't I don't honestly know what they're gonna do there, um, and <laughs> yeah. I, and I, Personally, I still feel like Ian Happ is better suited for left field, but yeah. there really isn't any center fielders that they could go out and get. Left fielders are easier to find. Right. So Happ, I'm sh- assuming, stays out in center. But yeah, I'm, I'm still very curious to see how they fill out that lineup. And then obviously the backup spot behind Contreras too. Right. Yeah, there's no clear option there either. I mean, those uh, are to me, those are the two options. Those are the two things that they have to fill before spring training are those right. two. Right. Uh, you know, I think they have enough. They do need to sign one starter. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe at least but, just at the very least for depth. Yeah. If but, you get one starter, you at least have five experienced guys that can fill out the rotation. And then if you want to experiment with young players beyond that, it's risky, but sure. NL Central's garbage. So you could probably get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Well, Michael, I appreciate you giving us your time here. Of course, if you guys are not, make sure you follow him on Twitter at MJ underscore Ernst. He is a lead writer for Cubs Den. Head to Cubs Den. You can find him at CubsGen.com. Of course, on Twitter at Cubs Den. But Michael, thanks for being on the show. Hopefully, you know, spring training is about a month away, a little bit less than that. Maybe we'll get some more answers, but uh, we, we could also have press conferences at the stadium like they did the Phillies with the Bryce Harpers and all that. So. Yeah, I would love to have some positive Cubs news before spring training. That would be awesome. Yeah, fingers crossed. Maybe they'll spend more than $4 million. Who knows? But <laughs> I appreciate your time, Michael. Thanks again. You're welcome. All right, that will do it here for today's episode of Locked on Cubs. Make sure if you have not, you are subscribed on whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn app, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen, make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review. When you get to your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Cubs to hear all of our great episodes, content, all our fun stuff. Tell your smart device to do that, especially when you get into your car. Hands-free, why not? But with that, we appreciate Michael coming on the show. Of course, if you guys are not, make sure you follow him on Twitter at MJ underscore Ernst. And you can follow Cubs Den on Twitter at Cubs Den. But with that, that is today's show. We appreciate you guys sticking around. There very well could be more news coming out. There was a report as I'm, I recorded this Wednesday night, editing it Thursday. There was a report that came up from Bleacher Nation. Chris Bryant was on the Red Line Radio and talked about Bryce Harper, which uh, just made me more sad. But um it, it does very much feel like the Cubs at least had to move money to add players on. Hopefully that's not the case, as Michael talks about on this episode here. Hopefully they're just holding out, hoping they can get some higher value at that price point, or maybe get a player that, like an Eddie Rosario, who's still available right now, maybe they can get him much cheaper if they hold out till spring training. That's hopefully, that's probably best case optimism scenario here, because um, it really does feel like the Cubs have to move salary to, to add players, especially a guy as you know, credible and as important to a franchise as John Lester is. But... On the flip side, 37 years old, hasn't looked like himself. The stuff is definitely something different. He got smashed on his fastball. It's never a great sign. There's, there's, I guess there's a, there's sides to both this argument. I'm just hoping that it doesn't mean that the Cubs basically have to trade a Chris Bryant or a Wilson Contreras to address just, you know, left field and starting pitchers and your backup catcher, those type of positions. I hope that doesn't mean you have to move another player, but... 
I guess we'll see. We'll probably have Ryan Davis on the show either early next week or by the end of this week. We might be able to get him today for an episode tomorrow. But I'll be recording and have a podcast up for you guys probably later in the afternoon, Friday, and then hopefully Monday, Ryan can jump on, maybe share his thoughts. But with that, we guys appreciate, I appreciate everything you guys do here. It's an awesome interacting with you guys, especially the last couple days. It's been pretty fun to make fun of <laughs> Tom Ricketts and the Cubs with you guys. So I really do appreciate that. But make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review, and as always, go Cubs. <laughs>